Fantastic. Great to see you guys this morning. Everyone doing well? Yeah? Fantastic. Good to hear it. You can't really give any other answer when someone asks from the front, though, can you? It's um, it, not really the time to start pouring out your heart and telling me the problems, but uh, you come and, come and chat to me later. I'll be fine. You know, um, who here today uh, looks forward to times when you can celebrate something or you can have a party? Yeah? Most people? Yeah, I know I certainly do, and I imagine pretty much everybody here really um, does as well. And we might, though, differ in how we'd like to celebrate, and the kind of celebration we'd go to. So the kind of celebration I might put on, you might not particularly fancy, and, and, and vice versa. You know, some people might like say, well, I really want to celebrate, so my favorite way of doing that is just going out for a meal with my family. Some people, though, might say, I, I want to have my friends around and we'll have a takeaway. Some people might say, I want to go and dance and party and be up until four in the morning. Some people might say, I want to go and play sport or do paintball or do something active where we can get together around something. Some people might say, do you know what, I really, I just want to go out for a romantic meal for two. Just me and the person I love. Uh, nobody else needs to be there. You know, but whatever it is, whatever way we like to celebrate, you know, celebration is something that we all look forward to, isn't it? You know, and, and if you think back through those times in your life when you've, um, when you've celebrated something, often it's in those moments, it's in those memories that we have something that we hold onto, that we treasure. You know, it's in those moments that they, they can be significant in our lives that we, we just are precious to us. Um, and, and we hold on to. So celebration can be a fantastic thing, can't it? And we can use all sorts of different excuses to celebrate, can't we? Um, might be that we celebrate growing another year older, or we celebrate having a, a pregnancy or a new birth, or we celebrate a, a wedding anniversary, or you know, sort of a date in the calendar like Christmas or New Year. People can find any excuse to, to hold a, a party or to have a celebration um, and, and things. Now, I don't know about... Um, about you guys, but when I get an invitation to the kind of celebration that, you know, that I want to join in, maybe it's a, a, an invitation to a wedding of somebody that I care about and I love, and some, there's something in me is excited when I get that invitation. You know, you, you open the invitation and, and you can't help but smile and think, fantastic, these guys are getting married, I care about, and I get to go and celebrate with them and be a part of it. And so you put the date in the diary, don't you? You, you kind of carve it out, you make sure it's there, you make sure nothing else is going to get in the way of it. And then as, as the day draws closer, maybe you ladies will start to, to go out shopping and buying a new dress and a new hat and, and all the outfit and the gear that you, you need or whatever it is that you need to do. You want to make sure that you're ready when that special day arrives, when you get to go to the celebration because you're excited about the big day. And I don't know what kind of invitations you guys have received over the years. Um, probably the, the biggest invitation that I received that took the most preparation was um, the invitation to my sister's wedding. Not be, just because it was a wedding, but because it was in Macedonia. And, and in with the invitation was a whole list of rules and guidelines of the social etiquette that we had to follow in Macedonia. From the colour of the suit that you had to wear to you know all sorts of, of different things. Having taken the care and prepared and done all these things in advance, we reach Macedonia to find out that most of them are completely untrue. And that they don't pay any attention to these rules. They don't pay any attention to this etiquette. And um, you, you're left looking a little bit like a wally. But, um, but there we go. That's uh, back across to bear. But um, hey, you can pray for me later. You know, the thing is, though, I know two guys here who've been invited to something 
um, far more exciting than to that. It's an invitation that I can't imagine anyone would turn down, and you would definitely put the date in your diary and do everything you could to be ready for it, because they received a royal invitation. They received an invitation to the Queen's garden party. Why don't we have a look at the invitation and, and a picture of the happy couple at Buckingham Palace. Here we go. Fantastic. John and Becky were invited to be guests of royalty. And uh, I'm going to ask Becky just to come up and tell us a little bit about what it was like to receive an invitation to a party with the Queen herself. Thanks, Becky. Hello. Oh, there we go. I may not be the only one, or we may not be the only people here who've been to a Queen's Garden Party. I wouldn't want to assume anything. But obviously, it was exciting to even hear the first whispers that this might be possible some months before, and then, and then to get an email or phone calls as, as you know, the few months went on, and then to finally receive this invitation. And you can see I've kept it, so obviously it did, it, it was, uh, because it's a few years back, isn't it? Five years ago. So it did take some um, planning and preparation. I was just wondering what colour suit you were asked to wear at this wedding. Um, that made that made you feel <laughs> that, that made you feel quite odd when you got there. It wasn't red or pink or something. <laughs> but obviously there was some there was some planning uh, that had to go into um, getting to the Queen's Garden party. We and we had a lot of instructions because you can't just wander up and say, "Oh, we've been invited." You know, you've got to send your passport numbers in and all that sort of thing. In advance and take the right the right documents with you and also the dressing up was part of the event so we had to put a bit of thought into that <laughs> that's as good as it gets <laughs> and you get a car pass and you can park on the mall and the police direct you and you don't have to obey the normal parking restrictions so it's all very exciting so yeah any more to say no and the event itself you can ask me later it was all very good <laughs> I'm sure there's, uh, she would love to chat and reminisce in terms of, of the fun of the event afterwards. So yeah, do grab her uh, and have a chat later. You know, if like John and Becky, you guys received a royal invitation, I imagine that for most of you it would be a pretty big deal, wouldn't it? I know it would be a big deal if I got a letter through, uh, through the post um, with a kind of the royal stamp on it and opened it up and, and what was in there was an invitation to be able to go and, and meet the Queen and, and hang out at Buckingham Palace. And, you know, if you receive that kind of invitation, I imagine you would do everything in your power to save that date, to clear your diary, to move anything else that could possibly be in the way of you going and to prioritise making sure you could be there, that you could RSVP with a big, yes, I'm coming. Not only because, you know, the event itself would be something that would be exciting. Wouldn't it be amazing to, you know, that the food you're going to get, you know, that what's going to be happening is going to be the highest quality that's going to be there if you go. Uh, You know that it's going to be, you know, kind of the best of the best. You're going to get to go and experience Buckingham Palace and into the grounds and the gardens. So not only do you know that the experience itself is going to be amazing, but actually you're excited because the person who is inviting you is the queen. The person who's inviting you is a person of such significance and authority who commands respect and admiration. Now, we're starting a new uh, series today, if the next slide can go up, that would be grand, uh, called By Royal Invitation. You know, and, and as we go through this series, what I want all of us to realize is just what it is that is on offer to us. That we have been invited to get to experience life in all its fullness. 
with the richest blessings, with the best of the best, the highest quality, excellence beyond what you can imagine. Not only now, but for all eternity. And not only is it the case that what is on offer to us is the best of the best, but actually the person who is inviting us is God himself. It's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is in the highest position of authority and power over everything. And yet he makes an invitation to you. He looks at you. And he cares for you. And he loves you. And so he reaches out to you by royal invitation. You know, and just as if we received an an invite from, from the queen, we would make it a priority and we would move everything else around so that we could RSVP, yes. As we really begin to grasp what it is that's on offer from God to us by royal invitation, I believe the Holy Spirit will begin to stir our hearts to RSVP, yes, I want to be in. And to make changes and to move things around in our lives to make sure that we don't miss out. Now, if you guys were were wanting to plan a big celebration or a party to invite people to, what would you want to make sure that it included? Some of you might, as I said earlier, want things like dancing and music or some kind of activity to get together around. But I know for me, the one key component, and this won't be a surprise to some of you, but the one key component that I would want to have would be food. I enjoy my food. It's beginning to show, Rosie's telling me, but there we go. I still enjoy my food. And I would want it to be at the center of any celebration. You know, there's nothing quite like getting together with friends and enjoying being together while enjoying food. You know, it doesn't matter to me whether it's um, eating dominoes together off of the top of eating pizza boxes or whether it's going out to a restaurant or whether it's at a hotel for a wedding. There is something special about getting together with other people with food and enjoying it together and enjoying that time together. It makes for a great celebration. And do you know what? As I look through the Bible, I think God agrees with me. That's a good feeling, isn't it? That getting together with other people around food is pretty high on his agenda too. You know, it comes up again but again, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You know, there's one place in the Old Testament, it's within a a famous passage, um, Psalm 23, a lot of you will know of it, where it says, you prepare a table before us, before me, in the presence of my enemies. You know, it's this idea that no matter what is going on around you, God has thought of you. He is prepared in advance for you. Good things. You know, when you think of a table being prepared, you know, that kind of preparation that goes on before a party, as you're getting everything ready, you're putting up the decorations, you're you're laying the table, you're getting everything sorted. The image that you get is of someone who is thinking of you. Someone who cares about you. Someone who loves you enough to do things in advance to make sure that you are going to be blessed. To make sure that you are going to have a good time. And it's all about relationship, isn't it? It's the heart of someone to want to bless you and to be in relationship with you. And God starts to use this imagery then of preparing a table and inviting us to the table. And it's meant to cause us to begin to think of God in a relational way. To realize that no matter what is going on in our lives, 
God is preparing a table for us. He is inviting us to draw near to him. To receive the good things and the blessings that he has for us. And even more than that, to be in relationship with him, to interact with him. He has a longing to have this connection with us in personal relationship. Wherever it is that we might feel we're at in life. And around 750 BC, a a prophet called Isaiah, he takes this imagery of God's invitation to the table and he unpacks it a bit further for us. And it becomes clear that this isn't just an invitation um, for a meal at a table for one, but it's an extravagant banquet. It's an incredible feast as part of a celebration and a party for many. If we can put up the next picture up on the screen... This is the kind of idea that I get from the verses that we're going to have a look at in Isaiah 25. You know, Isaiah writes this, he says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's a party I'd want to go to. You know, then Isaiah goes on and it becomes clear again that it's all about relationship. He writes, on this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. Strange language, but what he's saying is that God will destroy the things which keep us from connecting with and knowing him. That he will remove the things which stop us from having relationship with him. And then he goes on and he writes, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. So not only does God want to enable us to be in relationship with him, but he will care for us. He will rescue us. You know, this imagery of God presenting this feast and this banquet before us is an amazing picture of his plan and his purpose of how we're to live life with him. And then if you look at the response of the people in verse 9, they say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Now the whole picture of God preparing a feast, of inviting us to to a banquet, it is all about trying to help us to understand who God is. That he isn't some kind of distant policeman watching us from the sky, looking out for the mistakes that we might make. He isn't some kind of harsh master demanding that we serve him, who we have to just work hard and try our best and hope that somehow, at some way, we might manage to eventually please him. Now, God is into throwing parties. And he's wanting to invite you to them. He prepares a table before us. He prepares a, a banquet, a feast for us. He wants to bless us and to give us good things. He wants to interact with us and care for us and be in relationship with us. Isn't that fantastic? That image of God. You know, and as you start to think of God in this kind of way, as you begin to realize that God isn't waiting for you to come to him so he can take things away from you, so he can stop you from being able to do fun things. But actually his heart is to be generous His heart is that he's handing out invitations to a party so that you can have good things, so that you can experience life as he really wants you to. His heart is that in responding to his invitation, you will experience life to the full. 
And that we would know that we can look forward to the greatest party ever. And it's a party that you do not want to miss. On the back of this imagery, then, a phrase developed among the Jewish people, which was, blessed is the man who eats at the feast in the kingdom of God. Blessed is the man who eats at the feast in the kingdom of God. They picked up on this imagery of the feast, and that God prepares this feast for us, and they said, blessed is the man who's going to get to sit at the table with God and enjoy all the good things that he has for them. And they're encouraging one another about how great it is to be the people of God. And the sad thing is, though, that over time, this phrase becomes less encouraging. It became a way for the the religious elite, for the religious kind of pretty people, who thought that they had all of their lives sorted out, to push other people away. To say to people, look how good my life is. Look how I've got everything. This is what it looks like to enjoy the good things that God has and to to have life to the full. This is what it looks like when God loves you. Look at your life. Look at your poverty, your pain, your suffering, your struggles. God must not like you as much as he likes me. And it became this way to push people away and to exclude them and to separate them from God. And so by the time you got to Jesus' day, you've got these two different groups of people. You've got the religious pretty people, who on the outside look like they've got everything sorted, like life is is just fine, and they make the assumption that because of that, God must love them a whole lot. And then you've got this second group whose lives are, are full of pain and struggles and illness. And so they're pushed away and excluded and made to feel like people that God doesn't love at all. They're made to feel like they're not welcome at the feast. That there's no place set for them for the table. There's no invitation coming their way. And then in Luke 14, in one of the accounts that we have about Jesus' life, we discover that one day Jesus is invited as the guest of honor to the house of a well-to-do man in the town. And he's holding a great feast. It's a celebration. It's a party for all the important people to come to. He's invited all of the religious pretty people, all of the people who are thought of as respectable and nice to have a seat at his table. The thing is that at these kind of events back in in that day, they were often held in these big open courtyards and while the invitations would go out and only certain people would have seats at the table, anybody could come along. So anybody at all can come along to one of these events that just couldn't sit at the table, they couldn't eat the food, they couldn't join in the discussions, they had to stand around the edge. And and watch what was going on. But they had this opportunity to watch and to hear what the guest of honor, in this case, what Jesus was going to say. And it's in this context where these two different groups are present. Those who, when you look at their lives, thought of themselves as as the people who made it, who God loves and who had everything that they, they could possibly want. And this other group who felt like they'd been pushed away and excluded and were kept on the outside and forced around the edge of the room. In this context, that, that Jesus comes along. And he begins to to try to turn everything on its head. He goes out of his way to heal one of the people who was almost certainly on the edge of the room as an outsider. He goes out of his way to talk about how it's better to, to humble yourself than to try and give yourself the most significant position and the position of the greatest kind of place. And make yourself feel important. He even goes up to the host of the party, the guy who's invited him and put all of this on, and he says to the host of the party... 
It would be more blessed and favored by God if you invited the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind than if you just invite these religious pretty people who are your friends. People like yourself. And then there's this moment. Try and imagine it. They're just getting the food ready to come out. There's these great smells of meat and vegetables and fresh bread that are wafting through to them as they're taken out of the oven. And then one of the invited guests, one of the guys at the table has just heard what Jesus has taught about the poor and about the kingdom of God. And as he smells the food, he pictures the feast. And he stops and he looks around at the people at the table and the people around the edge of the room who are excluded. And he turns to Jesus. And, and he, this is what we read in verse 15. It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. He's making this statement right out of Isaiah 25. And he's essentially thinking about what Jesus has said. And then he turns to Jesus and he's saying to him, looking at all of these people around him, he's saying to Jesus, it's nice how you teach how we should look after the poor and we should care for people and be kind to everyone. It's sweet, but let's be honest. In the end, those kind of people don't get a seat at this table. And they won't have a seat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus responds to him by telling a story. He captures this imagery of the great feast that God has prepared in advance. And he sees these two groups who are around him in the room. And as the food is is being brought out to them, he tells this story which turns everything around. He starts the story by saying, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. You know, as he starts this story, everyone there understands what's going on. This is exactly what they expect. They know who gets the invitation. It's the people who are sitting at the table right now. It's the religious pretty people. It's the ones who seem to have their lives all together. But while it starts the way they expect it, the story doesn't carry on the way they expect it to. Jesus introduces a twist. The people that have been invited all start to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I I can't come. You know, you would have thought that when the servant came to tell them that the feast was ready, They would have enthusiastically responded and said, fantastic, we'll be there. They would have RSVP'd, yes. But they don't. They make excuses. And the interesting thing, I think, when you look at this, is that the excuses that they make, it's not because they don't like the host, and they don't want to know the host. It's not because they think that the feast is going to be bad, and the celebration is going to be bad, and they don't want to enjoy that. They simply are preoccupied with what they have going on in life in that moment. And they think that what is in front of them is more important than the feast that's on offer. Now, isn't it easy to make those kinds of excuses when it comes to God's invitation and what it is that he offers to us? You know, when we look at the promises in the Bible... 
or we have a sense of God stirring our hearts for us to, calling us up to do something, or to simply begin a relationship with him, or to spend time with him. And it's not that we reject God. It's not that we think that those things are bad and we we don't want those things that he's offering. But it's just that in that moment, they get pushed to one side because we've got other things going on that in that moment, we just think are more important. And so we make excuses in that moment. And this is the thing. When you understand the feast that you are being invited to, when you understand what it is that's on offer, the good things that God has for you and that he wants for you and to give you and to do in your life, and when you understand that it's the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is the one who is giving the invitation, suddenly it's as if you've received an invitation from the Queen to Buckingham Palace. And you will change everything and move around everything just to make sure that you can RSVP, yes, so that you don't miss out. And this is Jesus, as the food's being carried out, and it's being set before them, as the people around the table are starting to salivate in anticipation of the good things that they're about to eat. And he is warning, he is warning the guys sat at the table, the guys who've received the invitation, that though they may have heard about God, though they may know about his invitation, that if they allow their own desire for prestige and for position, if they allow their own preoccupation with the things going on in life around them and other things to come before God, that in their hearts the reality is that they're making excuses. And in the end, they will miss out. All of this that's being laid before them will not be theirs. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Thankfully, that's just the beginning of the story. He goes on again and, and, to, and try and picture this. You know, imagine yourself there in the crowd. Remember these two different groups that are there in this, this kind of context in this room. And so after telling them about the excuses, this is what Jesus says next. He says, the servant came back and reported this. That is, reported the excuses that were made to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Just imagine this for a moment for the people around the edge of the room. Those who've been excluded from the feast. Those who feel undeserving of of God's love because of everything that's been said to them. As Jesus in this moment says, this feast, everything that you see before you, this is really for you. And he makes it abundantly clear that God's heart is not for a few people who happen to have lived a good life and happen to have ticked all these different boxes and think that they're better than everybody else. His heart is that everyone, everyone would come to his table. He's saying that God's invitation goes out to everyone, and that he wants everyone to draw near to him. 
He wants everyone to come to the feast and to receive all the good things that it is that he's got on offer. He wants everyone to receive his grace, his hope, his love, his comfort, his strength. He wants everyone in that room and he wants us today to know that in our lives we have never locked eyes with a single person who does not matter to God and who is not invited to the feast. Who is not invited to come and to enjoy God's goodness and relationship with him. Isn't that fantastic news? That the royal invitation goes out to all. That none are excluded. You know, you may feel like because of your lifestyle and the mistakes that you've made or in the past that it's not for you. That you've not been well behaved enough or religious enough or something similar. But the great news is that you are on the guest list. No matter who you are or what you've done or how many times you've failed, you are invited to God's party. God not only allows you to come along, he's giving you an invitation. He longs for you to be there. He's got you in mind. You matter to God. More than you can begin to imagine, you are on the guest list. I'm not sure if I've shared this story with you before or not, but a Christian leader called um, Tony Campolo tells the story of a trip which he took to Hawaii. And uh, jet lag kept him uh, awake late at night, and so he decided to go out for a walk to to clear his head and and, and things. So he was out on the streets of Honolulu, and it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, Amazingly, for some reason in Honolulu at 2 o'clock in the morning, donut shops are open. And so he goes into a donut shop, and uh, he sits down at the the counter. And and while he's there, he overhears um, several prostitutes who are sat in a booth behind him. And one of them called Agnes is, is sharing with the others that it's her birthday. After she'd left, Tony turned to, to the cook um, and, and to the other prostitutes and he said, let's throw a party for Agnes. And the other girls agreed to bring decorations and the cook agreed um, that he would bake a cake. The next night then they all gathered at the shop and when Agnes walked in, they brought out the cake and they began to sing happy birthday. Tears streamed down Agnes's face. And when it came time to cook the, the, cut the cake, she just stood there. And then she said to them, could I, could I buy another cake and, t- so that I can, and we'll, we'll eat that other cake so that I can take this one home and, and show it to my mum? And with that, she took the cake and she, she roughed off and, uh, to show her mum. And in the sudden silence that that filled the shop after she'd left, Tony bowed his head and and he began to pray. And he prayed, Lord, we thank you for Agnes and for your love for her. You loved her enough to send your own son to die for her on the cross. We thank you for the best present of all, the present of your own son, Jesus. Amen. And when he raised his head, he saw that all of the prostitutes had their heads bowed and had been praying with him. And the cook looked at him and said, you're a preacher? And when Tony admitted that he he was, the cook asked, what kind of church do you have? And, And in a sudden flash of insight, Tony replied, the kind that throws parties for prostitutes and gives out invitations to sinners. The kind that throws parties for prostitutes and gives out invitations to sinners.
I think that's God's heart. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. And as Jesus makes it clear that the royal invitation to the feast goes out to everyone, part of what he's saying is that relationship with God is available to everyone. But while that invitation goes out, it's up to you how you will RSVP. It's up to you how you will respond. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to respond to God's invitation. To respond today. Don't make any excuses to put it off. But realize that the greatest invitation you will ever receive is an offer to you. And if you want to respond to Jesus today, if you want to find out more about what that looks like and what that might mean, then I'd love you to come and chat with me afterwards or come and chat to John. There'll be some guys here available at the front after the service. But you know, I think this whole imagery of the table that God prepares before us, of the feast and the banquet that he prepares before us is about so much more than just whether or not we've chosen to enter into relationship with him. Do you know that every single day God prepares a table before you? Every day he prepares a feast for you. Do you know that every day when you wake up, he makes available to you all of the blessings and all of the good things, the great feast of his kingdom. His grace, his mercy, his strength, his comfort, his power. And you can choose every day how you are going to respond to it. Will you come to the table and spend time with him and receive all the good things that he has for you? Or will you allow yourself to get caught up in all the other things that are going on in life and try and get on with things in your own way and your own strength? You know, I was thinking about this feast and, and what that kind of looked like. Do you know, I think when we try and do things in our own way and in our own strength, it's like trying to live life on nothing but cold sprouts and when you've got a whole Christmas dinner in front of you. You know, this morning God has an invitation which is available to you. It's an invitation to draw near to him, to all the good things that he wants to give you. It's an invitation to come to him for the first time or to come back to him again. It's an invitation to admit that you've been trying to do things your own way, in your own strength, living on the cold sprouts instead of coming to God and allowing him to help you. It's an invitation to to those of you who have been hurting. And life just doesn't seem to make sense because of the constant pain or the doubts or the struggles in different ways. And God is saying, come to my table, lean on me, receive from me. Put your hurt, your anger, your doubt at my feet and let me care for you. Let me give you what you need, and in the end, as you trust in me, it will be okay. Now, it's an amazing invitation that God offers to us, isn't it? And he offers it to us again and again. And it's up to each one of us to decide how we're going to respond. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you not to be like the invited guests who made excuses. But to RSVP, yes to come to and allow God to fill you with his spirit, to fill you with the good things that he's got on offer, 
And as he does that, then to go on and make changes in life to prioritize, coming to his table day after day, time after time, to receive what it is that he wants to give you. 